Welcome to the Doyen Interviews. Before we start, I wanted to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, the traditional custodians of the land where I'm recording, and also pay respects to any Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people who are listening, and to any Indigenous people worldwide who are tuning in. I'd like to pay respect to Elders past, present and emerging, and acknowledge that the purpose of the conversation today is to share knowledge and share experiences. Throughout the pandemic, it's been a challenging time, so I wanted to acknowledge that anything that has been overcome and shared today is done so for the purposes of knowledge sharing. Today we're featuring the brilliant artist Rachel Anderson. You can find her work online at Supreme Concept. I'll share details in the show notes. Today we're talking about the process of her creating art. Here's a snippet of our conversation. Art doesn't have to be purely realism. It doesn't have to be technically great. It can just be something from the soul. That's what people want to see. They want to see something from the depths of people's souls. I love giving myself the opportunity to just try and recreate say like a shape or something like that and just to see how it would turn out in my hand without putting pressure on myself or trying to make it too like I'm trying to just copy something straight from life. I like to see how it comes out. How has my brain interpreted that shape or that colour? With my artwork, it's allowed me to take almost a seat in the back of my mind and see the world in this more holistic sense that maybe I had never before. It's like me trying to communicate my lens of my world so that others can maybe share that. I find a lot of people do connect with my work because of that. It's just an exploration of my lens of the world. Thanks for tuning in to the Doyen Interviews with me, Bridget Nathan. Today I'll be chatting to Rachel about some of the themes that are present in her artwork. We'll be talking about what it felt like when she first put it online, how it was received, how she's seen the evolution of her creative style over time, and how art can generally be a byproduct of life. Thank you to the Alice S. Wayne Foundation for generously supporting this episode. You can find out more at alistairswainfoundation.org. Thank you to Anon for the awesome interactive music and to Alira Murray for the custom illustration. So, Rachel, thank you for joining me today. It would be great if you could begin with introducing yourself and telling us a bit about who you are and what you do. Hi, Bridget. Thank you very much for having me today. Just wanted to say uh, your acknowledgement was really beautiful. My name is Rachel Anderson. I'm an Adnimatna person. My mother is a non-Indigenous woman. I uh, I grew up on Bangla country and I'm currently living and learning here. And so today I'll just quickly say my acknowledgement in Animatna Nyaula, which is our language. Waramatna Yatamatna Inari. Waramatna the past people, Yatamatna the present people, and Inari everybody and everything encompassing, including the land, the sky, and everything else. So, yeah, thank you. I'm doing really well. How are you? 
I'm good. I feel pretty happy that 2020 is behind us and hopefully 2021 will bring about some changes. Um, Definitely feels like things are starting to change where I am. What about you? Things are quite slow down in my little town country. I'm really excited for 2021. Yeah, for sure. Could you explain a bit about your background, how you got into art and and what the creative process means to you? Of course. Um, So growing up, I always was a, a very creative person. I loved music. I loved art. I loved writing and I always was writing letters and things as a child. So I think for me, it sometimes feels very surprising that I'm an artist now, but at the same time, I'm not very surprised because it's something that has always kept me very balanced, very grounded, um, and it's just something that I love to do to, I guess, heal myself and to learn more about myself. So I think it probably started around 2018 when the figures started to come about. Originally they had fingers and they had toes and they were a lot more irregular shaped and maybe a little bit thicker because at that time I was physically painting. And I've just slowly started to refine it and make it more simple but very direct, very not bold but, you know, just very fluid lines. Yeah, Um, and your work achieves a lot through using not many lines. Could you talk a bit about this process of creating something that's interesting but also very restrained and something that uses minimal line work to tell stories and create forms. What's your process like to create this sort of work? It's very difficult as an artist to know when a piece of your work might be finished. You know, what's that point of when you've gone too far and you've just maybe started, it's starting to go a little bit too wild, you know, and I, I think that's something that I've been working on maybe especially in the last year is only getting out the things that I find very necessary in the work. So a lot of things that I've been focusing on at the moment is like processes and how, you know, I'll only sort of have something that will connect to each part of the process along the line. So, yeah. And how do you feel having seen your artwork evolve over time? As we're uploading things online, you can look back and see how things might have changed. Has there been a lot of evolution in your style and how are you feeling about that? I feel very proud about putting my work up. You know, it was originally something that I would just do for myself. I loved seeing all my work in one singular space and to see it evolve over you know a few years and you can see that on my Instagram you know my technique has changed my application has changed you know I've started going a bit digital but I still have 
you know, there's, it's still very reminiscent of where I first started as well. And even then, when I look back at my old sketchbooks from quite a few years ago, I can see that there's very similar aspects of my work that will continue to be woven through my new works. Even when I feel I've evolved dramatically, you know, I'm still talking about very similar things, you know, identity and womanhood and, you know, accepting my body and things like that. So I I feel very proud that I have got something that is, I guess, so uniquely my own. Not a lot of people could probably say that. So, yeah, I remember when I first started posting, though, and, you know, there was... I did get a little bit of, maybe not backlash, but, you know, there was a group of people actually and they were all male and they all would say things about my work as, you know, they were just stick figures and I'm just trying to get a quick buck on very simple artwork. And, you know, I've never really even sold much of my work. So, and especially not at that time, it was something I was just putting up uh, you know, for the sake of it. So, so yeah, I mean, there's definitely been people who raise an eyebrow at my work and, and still do today, but it's, it's not something that concerns me as much anymore because, well, I know now that it's, there's nothing that anyone could say about my work that could stop me from still doing it because it is just something that I love to do to ground me, to balance me and all of that. So, Yeah, and I think, and that's something I guess you learn as you go along. You know, I was very young and still impressionable and perhaps very vulnerable at that time. So people's comments about anything would hit me quite hard. So that's something, again, that I've learned through my work is that healing and that not everyone's opinions have to touch you. They don't have to get to you. They can just be... They can just be. Yeah. It's great to hear your thoughts on that. One of my other questions was thinking about art. Art tells a story of who we are. And as we discussed in preparation for this interview, you mentioned to me that artwork can sometimes be a byproduct of life. You mentioned just now some themes that your artwork displays or experiments with. To me, your artwork explores dreams and desires womanhood, the body, caring for others and education. What does your artwork represent for you and could you discuss this a little bit, perhaps touching on how your process supports this? Well, I'm glad to hear that that's all the things that you've been able to take from my work, especially because I don't uh, genuinely put a, a, like a caption or anything like that. And I don't typically explain my artworks on Instagram either. I just like to let them sit there. And so it's great that so many different aspects have been have been communicated through my work. So um, the byproduct of life type of thing um, is that it actually that came from a conversation I had with um, my brother and my my father only a couple of weeks ago and they're both musicians and um, my dad he's he's for some reason started he, he always performed but for some reason in his a little bit older age he started to become uh, unconfident in himself and he and he's just 
thinking that he's not good enough to perform. He does people don't want to listen to him. And but he will still sit there every night and and practice and practice. And my brother is the same. And we we're talking about how even when we are faced with our own fears and our own, you know, maybe uncomfortable feelings around our artwork, it's still this thing that we have to do. It's, it goes back to that grounding and healing and and being balanced and things like that. It's like it just is this, it doesn't matter how many followers on Instagram or how many people are listening to that song. It's about just doing it you know what I mean it's like almost like this thing that needs to get out of me from the world it's like me trying to communicate my lens of of my world so that others can maybe share that and so I find a lot of people do connect with my work because of that you know because it's it's just an exploration of my lens of the world and so many others I think feel that they wish they could share their their world in similar ways, in similar unique ways. Mm. And what sort of processes do you go through to create your artwork? Do some of your artworks focus on particular themes such as womanhood and mental health that you'd like to explore in that piece? Or is the process more that you put pen to paper and you have tools and you see what comes up? Is it kind of like the drawings come first and then you think about it or is it that you're thinking about it and you decide what to draw or is it a bit of a crossover? I think for me the process before anything else, it comes the thinking and sometimes that might be, you know, a good few weeks or even months that I've been thinking and pondering and, you know, trying to, I guess, get comfortable with some feelings as well and, and then I'll start drawing out some ideas around it. But I never draw for the purpose of, you know, oh, I'm, I'm going to scan this in and or I'm going to put this on the iPad so I can then post it. It's always just me trying to, I guess, understand myself better. The process that I have been doing for the last year or so is I just have been cutting up a piece of A4 paper and I've just, and I just, so I have like, you know, very little squares and I just kind of, I, I just draw out little concepts on them and I just keep them all in one big bundle and then some days I'll just lay them all out and see what I've been doing for the last month or so, you know, after, after work, before bed, you know, maybe even at school, you know, because I work in a school. So sometimes I might get a quick idea and I'll draw something there. And then once I really like a few ideas, I'll start um, feeling them out on on the iPad and seeing what colours come through. Yeah, that's that's been my process for the last year or so. And I've just, I've been really liking that. But I think also something that I've always done from the beginning and this might sound a little bit almost narcissistic, but I, I do like to put my work, I like to just stick it up around the house because they do serve as reminders for me. I 
I, I, there's some works that can be so powerful that when I look at it, I can instantly recall the time of when I was drawing that. I can recall the feelings that were got, like that was happening and what my head was thinking. Um, and so sometimes they can be actually a bit painful to look back on. You know, I've had I've had to live in a lot of rentals over you know, from 18 to now, I'm 22 now. So, you know, I've had to move around a lot and sometimes it will be like, oh, yeah, I drew that in, you know, Boston Street. I wasn't doing so well there, you know. It will be something like that and um, it will remind me of how much I've grown and how much I've come from there and it's almost like, it's almost like connecting back to a younger self where I'm like, you know, Hey, like I thought that was gonna I thought that was gonna last forever. I thought that feeling was never gonna go away. But look at me now, you know, I've I've healed through that, I've moved through that. So I think it can be quite powerful and painful. Yeah, it's interesting to hear you talk about that. Another one of my questions is about people who are already established in art. Do you have any examples locally or internationally of artists that you admire and are there any particular pieces of artwork that inspire you, that have impacted you or, and could you describe any of these examples? Well, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I don't know if there's any, like, names that stick out to me, like any one person one artist where I'm like everything they do is amazing and I'm the same with music in that I don't like there's very few just like full albums that I might like I love playlists I love consuming all sorts you know I love just walking through a gallery and just just consuming all the different colors and things like that so I'm maybe that makes me a bad artist that I'm not taking so much note of names and and things like that but I just I just I think I've become more influenced by the world around me than other artists as much, if that makes sense. So yeah, but there's yeah, definitely quite a few artists through my life who have who have changed the way I see art. And I think I mean I don't want to sound a bit corny here, but like of course, you know, those greats, you know, like uh, you know, Basquiat, Frida Kahlo. I hate to be naming, you know, the big dogs, but that's kind of where it started for me when I realised that art doesn't have to be purely realism. It doesn't have to be technically great. It can just be something from the soul and people just, that's what people want to see. They want to see something from, like, the depths of people's souls so that's that, those are the sort of things that I take from artists more than I do like technicality and you know that sort of stuff. Yeah. And you mentioned that you're influenced by the world around you. What sort of things influence you? Is it people, places, colors or your experiences? I love seeing I love giving myself the opportunity to just try and recreate say like a shape or something like that and just to see how it would turn out in my 
hand without putting pressure on myself or like trying to make it too, you know, like I'm trying to just copy something straight from life. I like to see how it comes out. How has my brain interpreted that shape or that color and and things like that. So I'm I'm really influenced um also by rocks as well because being Adnyamatna, you know, Adnya is rock. So that was our country. Our country is very rocky. You know, we have beautiful rocks and things. And even as a young child, I used to always place rocks out differently and things like that. And so I've almost been recalling on younger times of being out there and things like that. As for the figures, I think I'm very influenced by, I can sometimes be really influenced by photography and just seeing people's photos and like the different poses and I'll try and recreate that as the figure. Mm. And could you describe to people one or two pieces of your art? To me they look like different scenes that are being recreated. I look at them and I see, for example, a person that looks like they're being stretched or falling or moving in some way and there will often be other elements but all drawn very clearly. Could you explain to people what's happening in them? Yeah, so there's this one artwork that I posted a few months ago and I feel like that I feel like that artwork has evolved me again. It's something new and it's it's like an artwork that I have created a story around it, one that I feel comfortable to tell. So there's a figure standing up and, and it's like on this, it's almost like on a table and this table is a structure that I have built. You know, it might not be complete, it might not even be perfect, but it's one that I had built myself. And so as you can see on the piece, there is almost like layers of soil and then there's flowers that have grown upon this ledge and then there is me standing upon it. But then to the left of the piece, there's these rocks. And these rocks, I almost have been thinking about, you know, in a clock. You know, inside the clock, and it's, you know, how it's got those things that move together and they sort of, they touch a little bit to move the clock. And so those rocks those adnias have been purposely put there and they're just in my head I can see them moving they are moving together and they're creating something and then there's a little you can see it's been attached and you come around and there's this car this vehicle and this is actually a relatively new sort of character that I'm playing with because this vehicle has been made by me, it's manufactured, you know, it's it's been built by my own accord and it comes around and you can see it's got these big teeth and this tongue, it's quite, it's almost, to me to look at, it's scary, I'm, you know, as a, I feel like it, I'm scared of it and it's come through and it's bitten my own ledge and so long story short, this whole work is essentially me talking about b me biting my own ass, essentially. It's like, so those, those 
those rocks that are, are coming around, you know, they feed from my own flowers, you know, so that it's my, it's feeds off of my own growth, but I also feed off my own dilemmas and my own challenges. And so it is myself that has built this vehicle, you know, it is myself that has comes around at night and, and scares myself in, I guess, and, and it's almost like a metaphor for my own mental health. So you can see where it has bitten. I have actually stuffed it back up with rocks. So it, it you know, it's not, it's not um, all with the same ledge. I've actually had to stuff it back up with rocks, and it's like this sort of makeshift, you know, me trying to cover up what might have been there, what you know, the hurt of being bitten, and and it's coming around and it wants to bite me again, you know. So it's like this continuous cycle. Um, so you can stuff up these bite marks with rocks as much as you like, but it's still going to be there, you know. Even if you're feeling healed and you're feeling better, your own vehicle might come around at night and bite you. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Um it sounds like you're unpacking your own thought processes through your art. Yeah. And in my head, I can see, like, when I look at my own works, I can see this story being played out and I can see those pieces moving and that vehicle coming around. Um, so for me, it's it's quite a powerful, powerful thing to look at because it is such a reminder of, yeah, my life and and how I've had to overcome my own challenges and dilemmas and, you know, almost d disassemble my own thinking, my own negative thinking and harmful thinking. I look at, yeah, that's, that's what it is. That's exactly what it is. Um, so while it can seem very simple, it is just that byproduct, you know, that's just... That's just the manifestation of a lot of thinking, a lot of feeling that has, has happened, and then that's what has come of that. Yeah. Um, they sound like really interesting processes. Has doing this art helped the way that you think about things and the way that you might react to really complex life situations? Has art in some ways become like a bit of a toolkit? Oh, for sure. I think it wasn't intended to at, at the start. It was just simply, you know, to, uh, creative for the sake of being creative. But now it has become, you know, something of a, of a lifeline, something that reminds me of the growth that I can do. Because I've, I've always been somebody who's uh, very, f like, future thinking I'm always you know I could reach a goal and I'm already like okay next one here we go you know like I don't <laughs> I don't celebrate you know the I don't always celebrate the ways in which I've grown and 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 evolved and so I think it it almost feels you know it almost feels so special that I've I've been given something to live present with and it's something to reflect on so I think you're you're right in a lot of ways it's a toolkit for me to to yeah to review on and I think that's yeah so special for me anyways <laughs>
Yeah, absolutely. And when you are future thinking, do you see any overlaps with art and community engagement? I'd love to hear a bit as well about your work outside of art and how do you see these things overlapping? What else do you do? And do you see um, anything that could be combined with art in the future? Yeah, for sure. I, you know, growing up, I always, always wanted to be a teacher. Like that was just something that everyone everyone knew that Rachel Anderson, she wanted to be a teacher. My poor little cousins, they when they came over, they had to go to school, the Miss Anderson school. And <laughs> and um, they all kind of hate me now because they're like, oh, no, she's just going to make us learn. But, um, you know, so that was something like that was my big, that felt like my big life goal, you know. I, I just wanted to finish school and get to uni and and, and be a teacher and, and work with children. I, I loved working with children. And so I while I am studying now and I'm I'm coming up to the end of my degree, I am working as an Aboriginal community education officer in a small little primary school. And I've already found that almost that closing the or I don't know, connecting my work and my creative side has just, it's, I don't know. I I think it's made me very resourceful. I think it's made me very um, quick on my, quick on my feet. You know, I'll come up with, with little activities and things that can be meaningful to our, to the, to the students. So I've really loved that and I've had opportunities to uh, run a little activity for the Art Gallery of South Australia um, last year and obviously my teaching skills really helped me in facilitating that. So I think, um, yeah, like there's like a marriage, there's like a marriage there between my, my teaching and very logical side and my creative and sometimes a little bit philosophical side. Awesome. Um, and why did you want to be a teacher? What was it that drew you to the profession? I don't, I was just always, it's like it was just something I knew I wanted to do. In fact, I remember in year two making a very definitive decision. I remember being like, nah, teaching's it for me. That's it. And that was like, yeah, I made the decision and I just worked towards that and and that's, yeah, that's what I wanted to do. I I loved all my teachers, maybe not all of them, but I loved most of my teachers. They had been such, I don't know, just such um, mentors and just somebody to look up to. And I think that's so important. If you could just be that one person to even one kid, it can just change someone's life. And I mean, I know my year two teacher, she changed my life, you know, that she probably doesn't even know. But I had made that decision because of the way she would teach and the way she would make all of, you know, all the kids just feel like we loved learning. And I just think if people love learning, then they're never going to give up on themselves. It's so great and so powerful to hear. What was it that she did that made you feel like that? 
Was it that she spoke to you in a certain way or different things that she got kids to do? She just made everyone feel like they were the best learner in her class. And I think that's such a, and that's how I tend to work my practice now, even as a community officer. You know, I try and make every kid feel like there's something really, really bloody special about you. You know, there's something that is is working for you here. And, you know, I just, I love, I love that. I love that kids feel they can come and have a, you know, have a bit of recess with me or, you know, the other day we, for Closing the Gap, we made some damper together and we did some painting together. And, you know, it's just so great to facilitate hands-on cultural activities. And I, and I think Miss Humphreys was that my UT teacher and I think she was great at that. She always had hands-on almost like we were always pretending, you know, like we, we, we did like a French cafe and, you know, like just, and we served up food for our families and, and she got the community involved and we went out into the community and we learnt through, we learnt through experiencing things instead of just sitting in the classroom all day doing worksheets and whatever, she gave us opportunities to experience things and, I love doing that for for others. Mm, That's so inspiring to hear you talk about that. As you were speaking, I was thinking about how art can also have that same effect. Sometimes one piece of art can really stick in your mind. Have you had that experience before? And do you see art as also a tool that can challenge and affect who we are? I think, of course. I'm sure there are pieces that have done that for me and they exist within my mind even if I have never seen them again I don't maybe don't know the artist's name I don't even know what it was called but you know it's all about I mean I'm all about you know things happen for a reason so if there's a piece of art that has made an impression on you you know I feel maybe you were meant to see it that that day at that time it was something that was you were meant to consume in that moment so I do believe that art can be that powerful for people. And that's why I think just going back to, you know, what I was saying and people were making negative comments about my work, that's how I've been able to grow from that because, you know, on the absolute other end of the spectrum, you know, I've had people who have, like, admitted to me that, you know, oh, Rach, you know, sometimes I go on your your Instagram and I just comfort scroll on there. I'm like, oh, gosh, you know, that's interesting to me because uh well I to me I don't think my work is well, I feel like it's just like a one you know you, you could just see it once and be like yeah you get the idea but there's people who f- might feel that connected so even if you are doing that for a few people well why not yeah and that's so true I had this quote on my wall for a while from an old magazine and it said something like if you're in an opera and only one person is touched by the performance then that's enough to have had a successful show (laughs) that's right yeah and it's the same like within my work at the moment I've been doing every Wednesday afternoons we do cooking I do community cooking I invite some of the the parents in to just um yeah just to come in and cook together and so we've been making like shepherd's pie and curried sausages and 
it's been really great, but it's not very big. You know, there's only a few parents that might come out and they might they might come to one session and not the next and things like that. And I was getting a little bit down about it. I was thinking, you know, is this even working? But then a kindy director came up to me and, and said, Rach, I really love that you're doing that. And even if you got one person coming out, that's one person's life that you might have changed. You might have changed their thinking around food and, you know, and nutrition or without even knowing, you know. So I like, yeah, I think it's so important to to not to get too ahead of yourself. It's not about changing, you know, a million people's lives. If you can just connect to some people, I think that's pretty special. Yeah, and I've also been doing some research recently into Instagram and algorithms and engagement and, you know, um, being able to get sponsorship. And I've found that the research is saying that it's more important to have a niche following than to be connecting with, you know, like 200,000 people who might not really be looking at what you're doing. So, um, yeah, I think that's that's really interesting. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I, I've, I won't say like, of course I don't care about followers, but I do like track it. And I only hit a thousand the other day, so whoop whoop for me. But <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> uh, I had a little like little party about it, but um, you know, like that was that was kind of big for me, you know, thousand followers. That's a thousand, possibly a thousand people who, and I feel like a lot of them are, you know, they're not bots and things. So they're people who have seen my work around the way and have wanted to to see more and stay connected. I think that's so cool. And I love connecting with other artists and um, other people on Instagram and seeing how they see their world. I, I just, Instagram is such a great platform, even if a lot of it is fake and a little bit, I don't know, it can be quite harmful for a lot of people, but I think it can also be a really um, powerful community tool yeah and I also think Instagram is a really amazing tool for manifesting things and for putting yourself out there I did a yoga uh, podcast episode with this sort of um, architect called Yogi Sayan Pascal and she spoke about masculine and feminine energy and you know how anyone can tap into that regardless of your gender, but there's definitely something in this idea of leaning back a bit and allowing things to come to you and putting yourself out there, but also seeing what happens because you can never plan for the things that actually come to you. Have you experienced that type of thing at all during your time on social media? I feel like there was like some kind of universal learning, maybe around 2019, well, I just really wanted so much. I was asking the universe for so much. And every time the universe would tell me that I needed to wait, I needed to wait and just put my energy into what is working now, what is happening now, and just be just be ready 
to take on other things. And and when I just let go, I just allowed things to sort of unfold, that's when things, it felt like the energy had changed. My own energy, I was no longer like aggressively going after things, which is I think maybe that more of that masculine energy is like aggressively going after things. I just sat back and allowed you know, these, especially with my art, I probably learned that most through my art because it's just, I didn't, I don't expect anything to come of my art. Like it's just something that I post. Mm, but it sounds like you've tapped into something. Um, I think, I think so. I, I don't want to, I don't I want to touch wood right now because I don't want to mess it up. But I think, um, I have probably done a little bit more work around yeah around energy work and and I just think it's made me more calculated it's made me more thankful and gracious Mm. and are there any practices that you do regarding energy and creativity that are related to your art yes I would say yes um I think with my artwork, it's allowed me to take almost a seat in the back of my mind and almost see the world in this more holistic sense that maybe I had never before. And I think, I mean, I don't know, with with the practice, I think I, I mean, we all started at horoscopes, didn't we? And just sort of moved away. Like I kind of moved away from the horoscopes, but I kind of am in that same sort of realm. Sometimes I do tarot cards and things. But I think it's also like it it connects so into my culture as well, you know, the spirits. And, you know, something my grandmother told me that at any time I, I felt I needed guidance or I needed support, I could just go to any tree around me and just speak to a spirit and when I started to allow spirit to to feel my presence as well you know things things shifted for me Mm. Mm, it's so interesting to hear you talk about that thanks for sharing those stories um I know for myself when I started to become more in tune with my energy and just this understanding that there's a lot about the world that don't understand um I feel like my mind expanded a bit and my energy definitely shifted Mm. well I'm incredibly fascinated with the whole life and death process like that is just it's I think it's because I just don't know (laughs) anything so it's so I don't know it's so it's so confusing to me and you know there's lots of stories that my nana has told me around death and I just wonder so much like if you know is that what's going is is that how it's going to be like how how magical it would be to live in the spirit realm yeah yeah we're getting a bit deep now. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, oh, I love it. It's. I think it's what happens when you do a podcast on a Friday night. 
Um, I've got all these trees around me, actually. <laughs> well, you can go out and speak to a spirit anytime. Anytime. Mm. Um, did your grandmother practice art? Um, is that something that she passed on to you or is anybody else in your family artistic? Um, well, I actually didn't didn't get art through her, but there is something like in Adnumatna way she says that, you know, we don't do dots, so I don't do any dots. Um, and I try not to make my art too much on the cultural side because, like I said, like my mother is non-Indigenous and so there is, um, yeah, so there is, you know, I've got a lot of conflicting identity issues that come up for me. And so I don't w ever want people to think that my artwork is just, you know, it is just like Aboriginal art because it it's not. For me, it's a full, in it, it encompasses my everything about me all of my history, you know. So, so yeah, um, that's pretty much it for that, yeah. And is your mum artistic? No, she's just our um, biggest fan. <laughs> <laughs> well, she, yes, oh, you know what, I'm lying, I'm lying. She, she does love art. She, she did do a lot of art through school and things, but she doesn't really do much of anything now but she just she loves supporting my brother and I and all of our art but she just thinks it's so incredible so yeah she's our biggest fan <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome um well Rachel thank you so so much for sharing everything that you have today I've really gotten a lot from this conversation um appreciate your time and yeah just hearing your story and your background and I guess the processes that you work through as an as an artist, I feel like there's lots of overlaps and lots of things that people can take away from this conversation. So thank you so much. I was wondering if there was a quote or any ideas that you wanted to share to finish the episode on. This quote, when I heard it, I mean, I had to write it down. I had to stick it on the wall and I just love it so much. So it's like, don't bend don't water it down. Don't try to make it logical. Don't edit your soul according to the fashion. Rather, follow your most intense passions mercilessly. And that's by Anne Rice. And I just felt so moved by that quote because it just felt right, you know, like. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> that's such a good quote. Um, oh, yeah, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for giving me the opportunity. And I'll let you know if I'm anytime, um, yeah, anytime that I'm around Melbourne because I, I was really wanting to go this year or last year, probably would have been the first year I could have gone over there. But, you know, with everything that's happened, I've, I've been a bit stuck. So I would love to experience Melbourne one day. Mm, yes, well, definitely uh, come to Melbourne. Let me know if you're ever in town. I'll definitely take you around. Mm. Take me around, show me around. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. 